0: week for the university of oklahoma as far as the recruiting front is concerned we've got a few updates we're going to pass along your way plus we're going to take the top 10 quarterbacks in the big 12 essentially every quarterback that we believe is going to be a starter and rank them from number 10 to number one you may be surprised maybe not on some of the areas where we agree and disagree this is the sooner nation podcast i'm matt hofett along with rich decray thank you so much for tuning in whether you're catching us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, TuneIn, wherever you're getting us, we're very thankful, and we want to hear from you. If you ad- agree or disagree, hit us up and let us know. You can catch us on Twitter, at SportsHeartland on Twitter. Um, you can also uh, always email us, heartland-sports at yahoo.com, or you can go to heartland-sports.com, look at our podcast page, and leave a comment there. So let's start with this, Rich. Uh, I know we're going to talk primarily recruiting. Uh, A little bit of news there, and then we're going to rank our our top 10 quarterbacks. But Oklahoma State, three players testing positive for COVID-19 as they're bringing players back on campus. They've kind of put the brakes right now and bringing in the true freshmen. I don't see anything. I don't see this as a big deal. I know some people want to make it a big deal. There's a a little bit of that bedlam atmosphere, but I think Oklahoma fans need to be careful because this is a 100% something that could happen when players come back July 1st. Now, I do know that Lincoln Riley has has kind of – they're putting a plan in place for everyone to self-quarantine for 14 days before they come to campus. But you're talking about 85 guys. I don't think there's a guarantee that, that, that this won't happen when they start reporting July 1st at OU.
1: Yeah, one of the things that you mentioned is holding off on bringing freshmen – And the reality of the situation for me is that freshmen, it's not often that they step on field onto campus, excuse me, not the field onto
0: campus. Well, it's not often they step on the field either. Just throwing that out.
1: Right. And that's where I'm going with this and saying becoming immediate contributors to a division one football program. Now there are exceptions to that rule, if you will, but Largely, it's it's something that we see rarely mm-hmm. take place. Needless to say, there are precautions. Universities have been planning for this very situation, Matt, for months now. It's not as though they've been caught off guard. It's not as though this was a big surprise. Now, had we been in the spring... That may be a different conversation, but here we are on the back end of the health crisis as confirmed cases, and more specifically, those that are hospitalized with confirmed cases, mm-hmm. continuous, continuously declines. I don't see this as a, a major conversation topic. I think that all the yellow tape has been put up. There are certain measures that will be uh Enforced as people begin stepping back onto campus, that should prevent the spread or any major breakouts from happening again.
0: Yeah, and like like you said, like I said, I don't think it's unexpected breakouts or outbreaks. Uh, outbreaks. I would say outbreaks. Outbreaks. Yeah. outbreaks. There, but there is a protocol. They 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 had this ready. There's a protocol for it. They're going to follow that protocol. Nothing. This is a nothing to see here, folks. Move on type moment, is You're it not? Right.
1: I mean, I get how it can be news worthy. It's it's kind of the flavor of. 2020 has been COVID-19 or coronavirus. So I get why it's being reported. I get that that was one of the major concerns as people began to make plans to open back up, not just the state of Oklahoma, but the country as a whole. So again, I see why it would become a headline, but I do agree with you. Nothing to see here. Move on. Not necessarily a huge conversation piece.
0: So on the recruiting front, two defensive uh, prospects released in there, kind of one's a top five, one's a top eight. Both include the University of Oklahoma. We'll talk about both of those guys. But first, Caleb Williams, nothing really big as far as on the recruiting front for him and his weekly update that he does for Sports Illustrated. But really, if you had a chance to read what he had to say this week, and even if you haven't read it, go look it up and find it. Um just a phenomenal! You can't say enough good stuff about this guy. There, there's a reason why he's the top quarterback prospect in this recruiting cycle, and it's more than just what he does athletically on the field. It's the the charisma, the character, the leadership, the way he draws people in, and and you see a lot of that through his thought process this week as he talks about being a minority and the world we're currently experiencing right now. Just some really good stuff. And so Oklahoma, beyond an an incredibly gifted athlete, Oklahoma's getting a really good leader in Caleb Williams. And that becomes abundantly clear if you read his update this week.
1: Yeah, one thing that really leaps off the page for me when it comes to Caleb Williams is his maturity. I get that we're looking to an individual who is about to enter their senior year of high school. Matt, I, I don't know about you, but for me, I wasn't even 17 years old when I started my senior year. Of high school. I graduated at the age of 17, but I can say beyond the shadow of a doubt that I would not have had the same level of maturity nor the ability in written or spoken word to convey such a message as what Caleb Williams has left on Sports Illustrated in the current climate that we're in with all, not only the health crisis, but also this racial divide that's mm-hmm. being exposed once again.
0: Yeah, so two guys. Uh, uh, yeah, that 100% agree. Two guys that are kind of uh, in the mix are Oklahoma is in the mix with them, both on the defensive side of the ball. One is a safety, Donovan McMillan. Um, he look, this kid is incredible. When you when you look at his size, when you he's the number seven safety prospect in the nation, number six overall player from Pennsylvania. He released his top five, and when you look at it, it's really I have some thoughts here. It's it's Florida, Oklahoma, Oregon, Texas A&M, uh, and Virginia Tech. Um, did that leave somebody out of there? Florida, Oklahoma, Oregon, Texas A&M. Yeah, it's five. Um, counting math, right? Um, but here's the thing. He's 6'3", 192 pounds. He's got that kind of frame that could support him playing that jack backer you know, that, that Oklahoma has made. Uh, famous, going all the way back to Eric Stryker, just dominating Alabama for that position. But he's athletic and skilled enough. If you want to know how skilled this guy is, 51 total scholarship offers. 51. He's narrowed it down to his top five. That's less than 10% of his scholarship offers. This kid, extremely talented. Um, Your initial thoughts on him, and I'm going to tell you uh, what I've got. uh, One thing thing.
1: One thing I didn't realize about McMillan is that he's also a top caliber, top tier wrestler. I, oh yeah. I think, yeah.
0: I, and there's, there's actually, you go to Twitter and you mm-hmm. can see the video of him wrestling. Right.
1: I think one, that lends a hand to any other sport because they talk about balance. They talk about leverage. They talk about being able to shift or contort your body in order to gain an advantage. Of course, that's going to present some kind of advantage on the football field as well. So having that kind of background, I think does excite you in a player like McMillan. It's why we've seen so many programs come after him, specifically recruit him. Mm -hmm. But needless to say, the safety position doesn't excite me as much as the cornerback does at this point in time. And it's for the simple fact that Oklahoma has a couple safety commitments, regardless of a taller safety that McMillan is prospect, taller safety prospect that McMillan is, regardless of those facts, I am questioning where, where are the cover corners at this point?
0: Well, I, I have a thought on that, but I want to, I want to close out this on McMillan. When you, when you look at his top five, Oregon to me seems to be the team that's out of place here. I think Oklahoma's competing against three other schools, not four. And the reason why I'm saying this is because geographically, Oregon's just kind of on its own way out there out west, whereas the other four schools give family opportunity to see him play. And and look, East Co- he's East Coast kid. If he's on over Virginia, being on what part of Pennsylvania, that means so if he if his game starts at seven o'clock, eight o'clock PM and Portland, Oregon, or Eugene, Oregon, wherever they're playing, that means it's 11 o'clock on the East Coast. So you got that going against you. Plus, all these other schools, Virginia Tech, clearly ACC gives family the most immediate exposure to him. But Texas uh, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Florida, will all play games in that geographical area as well. I just don't think that, I don't know, Oregon seems to be the odd duck, you know, pun intended here uh, in this, as far as your cornerbacks go here, here's, here's what you got to look at to me that they're hitting up these safeties. I think the peach bowl gave us a really good um, example of why they need to be hitting up safeties because that cupboard is pretty much bare. When, when you look at the depth that Oklahoma does not have at the safety position, not only are they trying to rebuild that through the recruiting cycle that just ended, but they're trying to add to it next year. And I think you just look at the on-campus talent and you see it's deeper at corner than it is at safety. But that said, Oklahoma is in the mix for four-star corner Isaiah Johnson, who released a top eight this week that included West Virginia, Georgia, LSU, Tennessee, Texas A&M, and USC, along with Texas and Oklahoma. This kid is fast. Two way player, didn't play last season because of an ankle injury, but in 2018, he starred on both sides of the ball. He's got six foot plus frame, 180 plus on, on his on his weight, a sub 4540. We have film of him at heartland sports.com. I mean, this this kid, I think, I think Oklahoma's in for a bigger dogfight with him than than they are McMillan. But this kid's a real deal, and there's a reason why it's really a lot of SEC schools and three Big 12 schools. But here, here's my last thought because I know you're interested in say something about him. I think typically when you get in a recruiting battle with Oklahoma, Texas, and West Virginia, then the Mountaineers kind of are looking at the leftovers there. But don't don't downplay his relationship that he's already established with that coach and the fact that he's – uh, from, from West Virginia himself.
1: Now, this is not a fair question of me to ask. I recognize that. I'm going to ask it anyway. Tell me of the two names that you've mentioned, Johnson or McMillan, which one would you be more excited to be a part of the, the 2021 uh, class?
0: I think for me, it's Donovan McMillan. And that's not just because I think Oklahoma has the better chance at him. Again, this is an extremely talented kid. He could be easily be, I think, if they get to play, He could see his elevation to a five-star. I mean, again, 51 scholarships speaks for itself and the the fact that they can do so much with him. Now, Isaiah Johnson is the kid that Oklahoma needs. You're talking about cornerback depth and so forth. Uh, They need him as well, but I I love the safeties, the guys they're going after, whether it's a guy locally like Jordan Mukes or this guy from Pennsylvania. I love what they're bringing in at this safety position. And so, yeah, I think... I, I think he's the guy. Uh, McMillan is who I'd be more excited McMillan
1: about. McMillan is, is one that concerns me about actually getting him onto campus. And here's why 247's posted an article having him break down his top five in his own mm-hmm. words, just alphabetically. Here's what it says about Oklahoma How can you not have the best Big 12 pr- program, excuse me, in the country in your top five? Head coach Lincoln Riley and defensive coordinator Grinch have given me countless examples of why it could be a huge part of their organization and defensive scheme in 2021. But when we look at some of these other programs that are on the list, Matt, we look at, for instance, Texas A&M. The school keeps making all the right moves, and that's a tribute to head coach Fisher and his entire staff. I believe the home of the 12th man is a sleeping giant and will eventually become an SEC powerhouse. These are real general type Comments. Are they not? We we can agree. He's
0: already got the company lines for We, we
1: can we can agree there. But then I jump up to Florida and all of a sudden it's saying head coach Dan Mullen and safeties coach Ron English, who fundamentally break down my footwork and technique, have been very instrumental in making Florida one of my top choices. He says the exact same thing about a a program like Oregon. I know you're saying they're a little bit of an outlier, saying that uh, the co-defensive coordinators have spent a lot of time with me breaking down the purpose of their system and exactly how I would fit. There, There are some generalizations here. I'm maybe reading way too much into this. McMillan, fantastic player, but if I had to to essentially pick between the two, I'm going Johnson all the way. Because, one, I'm not 100% certain that Oklahoma's in the lead with McMillan. And, two, again, quarter, cornerbacks excite me at this point because of the commitments. That being a, a goose egg for Oklahoma at the position.
0: I don't know that the Oklahoma's in a lead for either one of these guys. But the fact that they're in the top eight and the top five Again, it it says a lot about what Alex Grinch is doing. At least that he gets the ear of these guys. You know, I don't want to have a moral victory here, but again, I'm I'm sticking to my to my guns about McMillan. Again, I I can't get over the 51 scholarship offers, but that's it. Again, a slow week recruiting for the University of Oklahoma, but we're going to talk Big 12 quarterbacks, ranking them from number 10 to number one. This is the Sooner Nation Podcast. Okay, so we are in the month of June. And we're going to begin our Big 12 previews as we look for the 2020 uh, college football season. And we're going to start with the money position, the position that everybody talks about. You're either the hero or you're the zero when you play this position. There's really not a lot of middle ground, and that is the quarterback. And we're going to rank the Big 12 quarterbacks from 10 to 1. And here's the thing. I I think we're going to have agreement on some positions. Uh, For example, number 10, I think we're going to agree. But I do think we're going to have, we're not going to see eye to eye on everything, and that's what, I, that's where I want to begin this, this conversation. So starting with number ten, I think we're going to agree that it's the Kansas Jayhawks, right? Absolutely.
1: And and there are several reasons if we want to dive into it, but I'm going to be very short and sweet on my reasoning. I do believe at this point in time Miles Kendrick is the name right. that will step out there in the fall. However, I'm not 100% sold that it's a done deal. We don't know 100% what this team is going to look like as less Miles continues to direct it. With that being said, Kansas, they've got a long way to go before they come up out of the cellar.
0: No, I agree. I, I think Les Miles will eventually get them out of the cellar. I don't know that Les Miles is going to ever get them to the 2008 Mark Mangino level of of Kansas football. But I do believe that in time, they're going to start competing for bowl games, five, six wins a season. Right. Uh, but I also believe that when you start looking at the bottom of the Big 12, and the shortened workout and proven. Otherwise you got to start with Kansas and you're right. Miles Kendrick, I believe is going to be the starting quarterback, Thomas McVite McBite. I don't know how to say his last name. I'm sorry. Uh, if I offend those people who live in Lawrence, um, there is going to be a, a quarterback battle there, but again, McVitie. not McVitie. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, McVitie is what, how I'd say that. Well, you're okay. You've got, you got better name skills than I do. Um, but, um, not having this, this is one of those situations where not having spring ball, like you said, has right. hurt. So Kansas number number ten, number nine you got West Virginia. Jarrett Dagey. Um, I think you and I, I, I feel more strongly that Dagey is going to start. You think Austin Kendall stills in the mix here? I,
1: I do think Jarrett Degge is going to start, you but have, I don't...
0: Wait, sorry, before we get ahead, do you have Degge number nine?
1: I do have Degge oh, number okay. nine. So go ahead. I, I think Jarrett Degge is going to start. I just don't think it's as clear cut as you may believe, which we'll get into, I'm sure, here in a little bit. Let me give you my reasoning. We do have the shortened workouts. We have the shortened offseason. I saw with my own two eyes. I'm not oblivious to this fact, but the offense did start going in an upward trajectory when Dagey stepped on the field Mm. and Austin Kendall came off. However, my knock against both of them is that neither of them showed this, just outright command of the offense. I thought they both showed flashes at moments. Granted, Kendall was given a little bit more chance as a transfer quarterback coming in and assuming that starting role last year, almost immediately Daigie making up that ground throughout the regular season. I just don't think it's cut and dry. I wouldn't be surprised if Daigie stepped out there on week one, but by week three, we could possibly see Kendall as well. Again, neither situation would surprise me.
0: See, I feel the same way about the Dagey kendall situation as I do about the Rattler-Mordecai situation, where they ended the season with Dagey being the clear-cut number one guy, and 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 Austin Kittle needed spring to try to close that gap. Same thing. Uh, Spencer Rattler was the number two guy, Mordecai number three, and they needed the spring to close that gap. Daigie is the guy here almost 66% completion percentage in the four games he played last season, 818 yards. Unfortunately, it's going to be a bad West Virginia team. And that's why they're at number nine.
1: Am I giving you my number eight here? Number eight, number eight, um, maybe a little bit of a surprise for anybody who's listening at this point in time. I'm going with Max Dugan, a guy that we did see hurt this Oklahoma defense last year. If you watched that game, if not, Just know that it wasn't the prettiest of outings against Max Dugan. I get that he's a young quarterback. I get that he flashed signs of greatness. But the reality for me is the consistency isn't there. We can talk about... It's almost like
0: he was a first-year starter. We can talk...
1: Exactly. We can talk about turnover to touchdown margin or ratio. We can also talk about the completion percentage and how... Closer to 50 it was than it was to 70. Those are my big knocks. I'd like to see some consistency. I know that Dugan, based upon his play, can easily slide up this list. But it is going to take that consistency for me.
0: Well, we clearly don't agree on Max Dugan. And and I'll get back to him on my rankings here later on and tell you why. But I've got Skylar Thompson, Kansas State, at number eight. Um, and here's the thing. When you talk about leadership, when you talk about intangibles, you talk about the moxie, the grit that Skylar Thompson has, that, that's what people say. He has a knack for getting, getting the first down. He has a knack for, for making this and that happen. But, but when it comes to fourth and nine and you need a, you need to pick a big 12 quarterback to make a pass. Skylar Thompson's on the bottom half of that list, bottom really third of that list. And I, I mean, and here's the thing also, about Skylar Thompson is that they're replacing five seniors on the offensive line. So where he made a lot of leeway as a running quarterback, I don't know that he's going to get to do that again this fall. I love the kid as far as the way he draws people to him. I love how his teammates rally to him. I don't love him as a top quarterback in the Big 12. I'm going to go ahead and go to number seven then. And I'm going to throw out Texas Tech's Alan Bowman here. And here's what my notes say about Alan Bowman. Injury, injury, injury. This kid legitimately, I believe, has the talent to be the best passing quarterback in the Big 12. I honestly believe that about him. The problem is we haven't been able to see it because he's played two seasons and he's been injured both seasons.
1: You and I are going to have a very similar list. I've interjected Max Dugan there at number eight, but just above him at number seven, who was your number eight. I do have Skylar Thompson. For a lot of the reasons that you've mentioned, when it comes to the quarterback position, it's not a running predominant position. You have to throw the ball as well. Now, I get that running is becoming more and more widely accepted across the nation and even utilized in offensive schemes. And Skylar Thompson has that going for him, but he's going to have to throw throw the ball. And I'm not 100% confident in his ability to convert when those moments call for him to do so. But you've talked about the ability, one, to know where the sticks are at, and two, the willpower to actually get there, regardless of any obstacles that are in the way. That's that one, the tenacity, if you will, the one facet of his game that is that immediately catches people's attention and turns head heads. I like that about Skylar Thompson, but again, he's going to fall for me to number seven for that simple fact. Number six, I'm going to agree with you. Like I said, we're going to be one digit off here. It appears for a while because I too have Alan Bowman for a lot well, of the reasons that you mentioned. I have Bowman at number mentioned. seven. Right. My I said number, we're going to be one digit oh, okay, off, one bad, digit off for okay. a little bit. Alan Bowman, number six for me. Their tools are there, but we at this point in time can't say they're proven mm-hmm. assets to his game. He does have the ability. He has the talent, but health is going to be a, a major factor and a major concern throughout the remainder of his career. And the truth of the, the matter is this, Matt. If you're not on the field, you really don't even deserve to be in this conversation.
0: No, and that's a very good point. And and what I think what you're saying is, when it comes to Bowman, we know he has a strong arm. We know he can throw with accuracy. What we don't know is can he stay healthy? Mm -hmm. And that's that's the reason. Exactly. He could be much higher. He could be top three. Exactly. But he's not
1: because. And and we'll see. This year will be a very telltale sign for him.
0: Yeah. And so here's where I'm going to get in trouble with my number six is I've got Spencer Rattler outside of the top five at number six. You're shaking your head at me. Um, here's I'm, a, I'm
1: not shaking my head. Well, I'm
0: laughing at well, you. Well, here's where I feel about this. Look, only th- there was only one quarterback that 24-7 Sports rated as a five-star quarterback in, in the class of 2019, and that's Spencer Rattler. And I think, he, I think the sky's the limit. I think he's standing on the threshold of greatness. But I've not really seen him play any significant, meaningful snaps in college football. And neither has anybody else. And when I I start talking about the five quarterbacks ahead of Rattler, I have seen them play. And I know what they're capable of. And yes, I think Spencer Rattler can be better than most of the five guys that are there. In fact, all the five guys I have ahead of him, I think ultimately Spencer Rattler can be better than those five guys. But right now, I don't know anything about Spencer Rattler other than he's a tremendous prospect with tremendous potential. And until he takes the reins of this offense and actually goes, I got to keep him outside the top five.
1: So give me give me your five as well.
0: Well, I'm going to go with your boy Max Dugan at number five. And, and I, I know you've got your doubts about him, and I, I get that. But you mentioned the game in Norman. And how, how uncomfortable that mm-hmm. was for Oklahoma and, fans. And ironically, it was a Max Dugan turnover that sealed the deal for the University of Oklahoma.
1: I'm going to add a little bit of weaponry to your arsenal here. Because Max Dugan is a kid who's de- deceptively fast. Right. And that's what gives these... Seeing him for the first time was giving all these defensive coordinators fits each mm-hmm. and every time he stepped out there. Kids talented. I I'm not gonna discredit that, but we are gonna disagree.
0: Well, two thousand seventy-seven yards, fifteen touchdowns. You talked about the turnovers, ten interceptions. He played twelve games last fall. This is a kid, look, you can only do so much, right? And I, I I'm not I'm gonna concede the turnovers, but sometimes turnovers are because you're trying to do everything you can, and you know if you don't take that risk, you have zero chance. And so I think another year of of being in the system, being a college athlete. I think when you look at what Gary Patterson is going to try to surround him with, we've already seen an influx at the running back position. TCU. I say this about, I feel like either I say this about TCU or Iowa state every year. This is their comeback year. It's whenever one of them, I don't, I don't see either one of these programs becoming a Kansas, just kind of sinking to the bottom of the big 12 and staying there. Their coaches are very gifted at evaluating talent, preaching defense, and getting them back where they're kind of a team that you worry about a little bit in the Big 12. And so I've got TCU as my bounce-back team in 2020.
1: We we may start aligning here once again, Matt. At number five, I know you had him at number six, but number five for me is Spencer Rattler. You're absolutely correct in saying that the only thing we have to go on when it comes to Rattler is his talent. It's the talent that he possessed coming out of high school and very rarely stepping onto the field for Oklahoma to maintain that red shirt. What scares me the most when it comes to Spencer Rattler, if I'm any opposing defense is the fact that Lincoln Riley gets him for four years. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen that with a, we haven't seen that with a quarterback. He's going to get him for four years. You think he, okay, potentially four years. Let me rephrase that. But he's worked with Spencer Rattler from day one. He didn't inherit him from another program. Mm -hmm. That's what should scare opposing offenses. I mean, excuse me, defenses. And I think that's what we're leaning into is the miracle worker that Lincoln Riley is with the talent and athleticism that is Spencer Rattler, which is why I've got him in the top five. Now, I do agree with you. He could easily slide up this list, especially... Next year, I don't know that he's gonna do it as much this year. He'll make a move, but he could very easily be number one next year, no questions asked.
0: So if you had if you had to bet money that Spencer Rattler's freshman campaign would be better or worse than Spencer Sanders' freshman campaign, which side are you put in your hundred bucks I'm, on?
1: I'm gonna go with better. Okay. And it's because of the talent, the talent differential. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Easy, easy one for me to go with. Which is a really good segue because at number four here, I do actually have Spencer Sanders. I thought he flashed signs of greatness last year. But within those signs of greatness, I think we also saw him take a lot of risk. Mm -hmm. Whether that was calculated or uncalculated, it didn't always go in his favor. That's the one knock is I felt as though there was a little bit of I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to make the game winning or the game breaking play. And those came back really to, to haunt Oklahoma. State. Again, extremely athletic. This, Matt, this this 2020 class of quarterbacks that we're going to see, can I label it as 2020 class? The 2020 starters may be one of the deepest quarterback groups mm. that we've seen in the Big 12 in terms of athleticism in a, quite some time.
0: Well, also in terms of, of NFL potential.
1: And when we begin to look at athleticism, the Spencers are, are the ones that start really to to knock on the door of saying we we are the future and we are going to utilize that athleticism and we're basically just going to run you off the field.
0: For the purposes of Oklahoma fans, we need to label them good Spencer and bad Spencer, though. Right? We can. Okay. Orange Spencer and red Spencer. I like good Spencer and bad Spencer better. <laughs> evil but we could go evil twins. <laughs> yes. I, I've got Sanders <laughs> at number four as well. 2065 yards, 16 touchdowns, redshirt freshman campaign. And I don't really... I don't you, unless he's just awful. I don't typically hold a, a freshman quarterback playing like a freshman quarterback against them, because I you. Can, oh, I do. Oh, I know, but I just
1: yeah, like, Max Dugan down there, if, number eight.
0: If you're if you're um if you're still making the same mistakes after your junior year that you were your freshman year, (coughs) looking at you, Sam Ellinger, (coughs) excuse me, had something in my throat. If you're still making the same mistakes three years down the road, then I I begin to hold it against you. But if you progress from year one to year two to year three, then I'm expecting to see some progress from Spencer Sanders from year one to year two. And if I don't see that, then clearly he's going to drop on this list. But the potential I saw from him, and the time he got to play, clearly there was a drop-off between him and Drew Brown. I mean, Mike Gundy made the right call in that quarterback battle. I Oklahoma State scares me. I've said this. I've said it on the podcast. I've said it in conversation. What they have on offense at quarterback, wide receiver, and running back is extremely scary. And Spencer Sanders is going to be a key cog in that wheel. So I've got him at number four. Number three, I have mixed emotions about but I've got Sam Ellinger at number three and my mixed emotions are this. I don't think I have him low enough. You know, I think he should be, there's the, and we'll get into that, but here's the thing. Here's what Joe Texas fans are going to say about Sam Ellinger. 80 touchdowns over the last 27 games. And so Joe Texas fans are going to say the only had a quarterback better than that is Joe Burrow who won the Heisman Trophy. I get that. I totally get that. Okay. But, Again, it's 4th and 9, and you need a completed pass. There are fundamental flaws in Sam Ellinger's game that make me think he should be down lower on this list. There, there There's techniques in his, in his the way he throws the ball. There's, there's recognition of the hot routes. If you blitz his face, he's going to freeze. It's deer in the headlights. It doesn't matter if you blitz him from the blind side. You actually have a better chance, I think, of sacking him if you come right at his face. So you got all these things about Sam Ellinger that make you go, man, this kid, I don't know how great of a quarterback he is. But then you look at he's the most accomplished quarterback that starts the season in the Big 12. But, you I go back to these fundamental flaws, and I think about Mike Juricic and the scheme that everyone talks about, hey, he's going to make him even better. And my question is, is he fundamentally capable of running that type of offense? And I don't know that I can say he is.
1: I'm going to go ahead and and play a little bit of a spoiler here in terms of our rankings because I'm going to give you my number 2 instead of my my number 3 at the moment and the real reason is is because that is Sam Ellinger for me the one thing that Sam Ellinger go has going in his favor that only really one other quarterback on this list can proclaim is senior status it's the experience At the same university, which I don't think any other quarterback can say at this point in time. Four years as the starter at the University of Texas is going to go a long way. We see him when he runs the ball. He runs with the tenacity that we typically see from a running back. Mm -hmm. A fullback. When he gets hit hard, he gets back up and provides a rallying point for this team. There are several reasons why I think you can like a kid like Sam Ellinger in your locker room, regardless if you're a Texas fan or you're an Oklahoma fan. And it's because of those qualities that we see that toughness that he exemplifies and the rallying point that he provides at any given point throughout, whether it's the game or the season, but the real knock against him is a lot of the, the things that you've already mentioned. I am extremely concerned as your installs this new offense, does Sam Ellinger have the arm to keep up with what the demand is going to be? You've talked about a wide open offense under a guy like your, Again, I'm asking that question. Does Sam Ellinger have the tools? Does he have the arm to keep up with what's going to be asked of him each and every week, especially in a shortened offseason? I'm going to drop down to number three, but I feel like you've got a comment. Well,
0: here. I just here, here's what I was going to say. More than the tools, it's the mental capacity. Again, you, he until he proves me otherwise, I'm coming right up the middle on a blitz. And and the two things he can't do that he's shown in three years he can't do, he can't do the hot read, and he can't face the blitz. Can
1: I steal an idea from you? Yeah. And and pose this question to you?
0: Well, because I think I was about to ask you this. No, same go question. for it. Go for it. Well, here, here's the point I'm making. When, and this is why I'm torn on Sam Allinger, okay? Let's let's take Skylar Thompson out of a purple jersey and put him in a burnt orange jersey. Let's take Sam Ellinger out of a burnt orange jersey and put him in a purple jersey. We're saying the same thing about these two quarterbacks.
1: And and we may, and I knew you were gonna go there, but four years as a starter, it's it's undeniable.
0: No, I get that's why he's number three. I just I'm torn because I don't think he deserves to be number right. three. But it's the four years. It's the 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 Texas brand. Mm -hmm. It's he won the Sugar Bowl, kudos. But I mean his his career has not been what the people in the burnt orange want you to believe it has been, and he's very similar. I think he's the same athlete the same player as Skylar Thompson. And if Skylar Thompson was a four-year starter for the Texas Longhorns, I think they would be exactly where they are and exactly where they have been. And if if Sam Ellinger was a starting quarterback for the Kansas State Wildcats, I think they'd be exactly where they are and exactly where they have been. They're the same guy on two different teams.
1: Matt, the reality is that may very well be the situation. But what I do know is you talk about deficiencies of mechanics, things of that nature. On the collegiate level, you can hide a a lot of those deficiencies in what you do on, on as an offensive coordinator. Why do I say that? We've seen quarterbacks with mechanical deficiencies, hitches, whatever you would like to label it, dropping the ball way too low before throwing it, things of that nature that slow the release of that ball slow down their motion and slow down their decision-making. We've seen quarterbacks like that win national championships. So they can, it, it can be covered. And I think if you had to pick one or the other, you would take Sam Ellinger over a guy like Skylar Thompson. And like I said, it all comes back to the experience, the knowledge, the ins and outs of knowing this offensive system. I've got Sam Ellinger at number two. Let me drop down and give you my number three, Matt, and then we'll pick back up with you here. Number three for me is... Charlie Brewer. I know very easily you can look at Charlie Brewer, you can look at the Baylor Bears, and you can say a couple of things, but the most obvious or glaring issue was the offensive line last Mm -hmm. year. I'm not going to knock a quarterback for the lack of an offensive line because there's literally nothing that that quarterback can do. They either take a pounding or they figure out a way to deliver the ball on a hot route and get out of the blitz or just the pass rush that is coming their way. Charlie Brewer, when given the time has proven to be an accurate passer, but I'm willing to say that Charlie Brewer is the most accurate deep ball thrower that we have currently in the big 12. It's why I've got him listed at that number two slot instead of bumping him down below some of these other names, excuse me, number three, right. instead of bumping him down yeah. below some of these. Well, other names.
0: I actually have him at number two and 38 sacks. That, that tells the story of Charlie Brewer, 38 sacks. Why is he always injured or concussed? 38 sacks. Why did he leave the big 12 championship game? 38 sacks. Everything you need to know about Charlie Brewer that's in a negative connotation, 38 sacks. But you're right. The kid has a great touch on the deep pass. He's a he's a tough runner. He, he could be that Sam Ellinger type guy that can tuck the ball and go as long as it's not Kenneth Murray he's trying to run over. Um, but this kid has legitimate NFL potential if he doesn't get his eggs scrambled again. I mean, he's he's another concussion away from writing Crayola and eating pudding for the rest of his life. And that's because of what you said, the offensive line. But as far as the fundamentals and the skills of playing the quarterback position, he's got all the tools. Now, he loses two very important things. He loses Denzel Mims, and he loses Matt Rule. And Denzel Mims was his go-to guy, NFL, talent, NFL caliber talent, and proved that by getting drafted. Matt Rule, who... Really what Matt Rule did, the best thing he did for Baylor was bring that toughness and tenacity to this program. That's how they were able to overcome those sanctions and scholarship limitations so quickly was because guys like Charlie Brewer took on Matt Rule's mentality and they brought a physical brand of football to the Big 12. Can they maintain that now that Matt rule is gone? that's going to be the question because Baylor was never the most talented team in the big 12. In fact, they weren't even the second most talented team in the big 12, but yet they were a big 12 runner up. If they cannot keep that focus, if they cannot keep that tenacity, then you're going to see this team really slide from being a big 12 runner up to being a fourth or fifth team in the conference. And that's not going to be because of Charlie Brewer, it's going to be because they are, that's that talent wise. That's where they were. But Matt rule, Got that, got it out of them to bring them to a different level. So my number one, though, is obviously going to be the same as you have. We're down to Brock Purdy, Iowa State. Oh, I thought it was me. No, sorry. Uh, You're out of eligibility and you, uh, well, never mind. We'll just keep going. Um, Look, (laughs) here's the thing about Brock Purdy. Here's why I have him number one. And I'll let you say why you have him number one. But he is, in my opinion, the most NFL-ready quarterback that the Big 12 has to offer going into the 2020 season. And it comes down to that question that we always present. Fourth and nine, you need a guy to make a pass. Who's it going to be? To me, on this list, the guy I'm most confident in right now is Brock Purdy. And we saw him make those plays in Norman last fall. He's got the touchdown that could have tied the game uh, that that they go for two point conversion, and the the interception on that two point conversion wasn't because Brock Purdy made a bad pass. It was because Parnell Motley made an incredible defensive play to take the ball away from the receiver. Brock Purdy uh, last season career single season records for the program, single season records in completions passing yards, passing touchdowns, 6 times he had 300 plus yard games, program record. This is Iowa State we're talking about. This isn't Texas Tech, this isn't West Virginia, this isn't Oklahoma State. This is Iowa State, over 4300 yards of total offense last season, again a program record. Say what you want to about the big brand schools, say what you want to about the true blue loyalty to your fan or to your team, but when you break it down on intangibles, X's and O's, film, and what's there. Brock Purdy's the best quarterback in the Big
1: 12. And Matt, you've been a Iowa State closet fan for quite some time. I don't think anything's changed now that Matt Campbell is at the head of that program. But it stands without reason, in in my opinion as well, that Brock Purdy, and and I'm going to label it just a little bit differently than you. You said most Mm NFL-ready quarterback in the Big 12. I think Brock Purdy has the strongest arm in the Big 12. What we've seen out of him thus far comes from a freshman in a sophomore season. He, for the first time, and I mean, it's something that's easy to overlook, will be considered an upperclassman at the university with the football program. Right. Entering his third year, I do expect that command of the offense. I do expect the confidence and the leadership to continue to grow mm. within the locker room. But more importantly, you've said it, I'm going to echo that sentiment is that with a game, I'm not talking for the nine with a game on the line. There is no other quarterback that I would want to put the ball in the hands of In order to win that game, when we look at Brock Purdy and you're talking about the two point conversion, I I know you you can go back and watch that film. It was a good throw. It was on target, but you could easily label it as a misread too, because there was someone wide open that he's just not looking in the general direction with. There are, these are college
0: kids. We've got to remember that. Look at the pressure. Look at the hot read. And you, I mean, that, yeah, you And you have to look at the weight in, of the moment. Yeah, you got to look at that play in its entirety. Right. You know, not I, the wide open I'm, guy. Who's, who's coming on Brock Purdy and wants his I'm agreeing
1: his with you. I'm just saying in that moment, people can make several different arguments, but it doesn't matter because with the game on the line, I'm not calling anybody else's number besides Brock Purdy. Right.
0: Based on what we know right now. With what Correct. Hey, that's going to wrap it up. Shorter episode this week. Um We hope you're doing great. We hope you're looking forward to a fantastic weekend. Excited that the summer is here. NBA basketball is coming back. 22 teams. The Thunder is one of them. We'll start talking about some more Thunder stuff as that gets ready to ramp back up. Thanks again, and uh, have a great weekend, everybody. Boomer Sooner.